Year after year, we are more and more blown away by the work God helps us accomplish in just 365 days. Now, let's take a moment to look back at some of the ways we saw God work this past year. Because of your desire to make Christ known, funding and building churches worldwide is now a part of our general budget. We were able to commit $15,000 towards facilities in Burkina Faso, $60,000 in Tanzania Arusha, $28,000 in Togo, and $56,000 in Myanmar. These are just a few of the projects we've been able to be a part of. So far, we've raised a total of $4.4 million, funding a total of 90 projects by the end of 2023. We have been partnering with Trailhead International to continue to build these facilities in communities that desperately need the love of Christ all over the world. Thank you for your continued generosity. Sagebrush Church had 1,200 volunteers partner with Feed My Starving Children to help pack 244,000 meals, uniting to provide hope and resources to those without life's essentials. This year, we baptized 1,384 people as they proclaimed their dedication to following Jesus. At Sagebrush, our mission is simple to know Christ, and to make Christ known. And baptism is the perfect way to express your love for Jesus to the world. In Kids Planet, we saw 2,175 kids during services every week. They learned about Jesus through in-person interactive teaching and the Kids Planet online experience videos. And our yearly event, specifically for your elementary age kiddos, X-Camp, there were 1,206 kids. We got to kick it into high gear and spend time worshiping Jesus, learning valuable lessons through the Bible. Every week, 1,125 students are coming through the doors of Remix, with 315 of them in 40 different small groups. Remix serves your 6th through 12th grade students through age-appropriate services, and their yearly event, Rally, had 1,095 students in attendance. We love that over a few days, we get to spend time in breakout groups and learn what it really means to follow Jesus. We have the privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus all across New Mexico, on TV every weekend. Since we started broadcasting our services, the gospel's reach has expanded to people we couldn't have reached otherwise. This year, we had a total of 3,738 people in 330 small groups. Small groups are one of the best ways to learn about and invest in the community around you. In small groups, we hang out, get to know one another, go over the weekend message, and pray together. Sagebrush was able to assist 3,120 people through Community Connect. Community Connect helps out those in need all around us by providing food, clothing, and personal hygiene items. Volunteers come in weekly to sort items, and then we're able to give them out throughout the year. The jail and prison team travels to various facilities and detention centers to facilitate services and help inmates with the next steps in their lives. This year, we've seen on average 294 people each week. Through the jail and prison team, we're able to share Jesus' love with them. Did you know that our Sagebrush Pit Stop Ministry serves the Albuquerque, Santa Fe, and Farmington areas of New Mexico each month? This year, Pit Stop was able to assist 732 families in need. Through this ministry, they tend to the elderly and single mom's vehicles by providing basic upkeep every month. This year, we were blessed with an opportunity to open a new Sagebrush location in the uptown part of Albuquerque. In October of 2023, 
Uptown Church merged with Sagebrush Church to become Sagebrush Uptown. On opening day, we saw 345 adults, 97 students, and 102 kids. In total, that's 544 people. Sagebrush Church is one church with many locations, and we are so excited to be in the Uptown area. Each year, we host a lineup of special events to make Christ known outside a normal service. The success of events like Stages of the Cross, The Auto Show, Fun Fest, and Christmas Tree Lighting was nothing short of spectacular this year. 100% of the ticket sales from Fun Fest were donated to Make-A-Wish New Mexico. We love our Sagebrush volunteers. And this year, we got to serve alongside 2,865 of you to ensure the Word of God is spread far and wide. It takes a lot of hard work for Sagebrush to run as smoothly as it does. Many of you serve in various ways, from the parking team, pit stop, kids planet, special events, production, to guest services, and so much more. This isn't possible without the help from our VIP team members. Thank you to every single one of you who has prayed for, served with, and been giving of your time and finances towards the mission that God has called every single one of us to here at Sagebrush. God has big things in store for us in 2024. We know the best is yet to come. If you've been around Sagebrush for any amount of time, you know I'm not real strong with tools. Uh, my wife is the handy person around the house. She's the one that fixes stuff. I want something fixed. I just call somebody, come come in and fix something. It's, it's just a dangerous thing to myself and to those around me if I'm working with tools. Well, my wife is in Colorado with my daughter, Cammy. This is years ago. They're at a gymnastics meet. They're going to fly in the next day. We're going to get on another plane. We're going to go off on a vacation. It's just me and my middle daughter, Hannah, that's with me at this time. Now, we're going to have a couple that's going to house it for us while we're gone. We had two dogs. This nice couple said that they would look over the house, watch the dogs for us. I appreciate that. So my wife made a laundry list of different things that needed to be cleaned because she wanted the house to be presentable. So Hannah and I are working through this long laundry list of things that we need to do. And on the list was clean the toilets. Now, that's not hard. That's not difficult. I bet you've cleaned a toilet. Just play along with the pastor for just a second. Raise your hand up if you've ever cleaned a toilet at least once in your life. Raise it up. If your hand's not up, you're lazy. That's just the way it is right there. You need to step up, man. Come on, clean a toilet from time to time. So I said, hey, Hannah, you go down to the, bed, uh, the bathroom at the end of the hall, and you clean that one, and I'll clean the one over in the bedroom that Christy and I are in. And I said, now, where is the stuff that mom uses to clean the toilet? And I said, know where it was at. And she said, well, she uses this now. And I said, look at that. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. I said, I just put that in there and clean it. She said, oh, yeah, there are all those chemicals are already at the end, the detergent and stuff. Just clean your light, no business. I said, all right. So I got in there, and I started cleaning that toilet. And I'll tell you what, this is a phenomenal thing that they've invented here. I mean, lickety-split, that toilet was clean. Well, I noticed that there was an applicator there on the end, and I thought, I wonder what you do with the applicator. And I thought that it would dissolve, you know, because I saw stuff coming off of it when I was cleaning everything. And I thought, well, that'll just, I'll just click it off and put it in the toilet and flush it down. <laughs> you already know where this is going, don't you? Because that's a plastic applicator, you understand? That's a sponge there at the end. They don't dissolve. But I didn't know that, so I flushed the toilet. And sure enough, the toilet black backed up. But that's not a problem. I've <laughs> clogged a few toilets in my lifetime. So I got the plunger, and I'm plunging away, and I'm plunging away. And after a while, I heard it go, ah. 
And the thing passed through, I thought, and I thought we're good to go. And I flushed the toilet and it flushed just fine. But every time the water would come back, there was a gurgling sound. It was like the plastic applicator was going, help me, help me. And I just couldn't get it to go all the way through the pipes. And so I start flushing that thing and flushing that thing and I'm plunging that thing and I'm plunging that thing and it's gurgling back at me and gurgling back at me. Now my first thought was, you know, I'm leaving tomorrow and there's another couple that's coming in and they're gonna use the bathroom at some point in time and they're gonna think they did it. So I'm in the clear. (laughs) I am a sinner, man, that's all I got to say. The problem with that plan is Hannah knows what's happened. So the only way I'm getting away with this is I have to kill Hannah. Do you understand? <laughs> and that's gonna take it to a whole nother level. You know? And I like Hannah. I thought, I don't wanna kill Hannah. And so I'm, I'm plunging, I hate this stupid thing. So I'm plunging away, plunging away. And it's just gurgling. 15 minutes, 20 minutes goes by. Hannah comes into the bathroom. She says, you ought to call mom. Can I talk to the men here for just a second? Out of all the sentences you never want to hear, you ought to call mom. You know what I said? You ought to shut up. That's what I said. As I got myself in this mess, I'll get myself. I'm not calling my wife, tell her how stupid I am. So I'm plunging away, plunging away. Hour goes by. Thing is still gurgling at me. So I finally break down. I call my wife, and she starts laughing. Oh, she thinks it's the funniest thing she's ever heard. She said, and I quote, if I was home, it would already be fixed. That's what she said to me. (laughs) Appreciate that, I tell you what. She said, here's what you need to do. You need to go to Lowe's, and you need to get a snake. And I said, honey, I don't think we need another household pet, to be honest with you. I don't know why you want me to go to Lowe's to get a snake. That doesn't make any sense. She said, well, that's what plumbers use. They call it a snake, goes into the toilet, and you whiz it around a little bit and unclogs whatever's in there. So go buy a snake. I said, all right. So I head to Lowe's, and there were some nice people there, and I said, do you have any snakes? And they have a lot of snakes. I did not know that. They had a whole row of snakes, all kinds of different snakes. They had industrial snakes in there, I tell you what. And I said to myself when I was looking at these snakes, I said to myself, I said, self, I said, yeah. I said, that's not good. Todd, you should not put this in your hand because you'll go back and you'll swirl that thing around. You'll probably break the toilet. We'll have a bigger mess than we had. But I don't want to call my wife again to find out what she wants me to do. And so I begin to think through all of my friends. And immediately what comes into my mind is my friend, Joseph Santangelo. He is the owner of Sunshine Plumbing, been my friend for over 30 years. I said, if anybody knows what to do, Joseph will know what to do. So I called Joseph on the phone. I said, your pastor has done it again. I put this plastic applicator in there. I thought it was going to dissolve. And he was so kind. He said, Todd, lots of people do that. And I thought, you're such a liar, man. You're just trying to make me feel better about my, I know I'm the only moron that's ever done this before. Are you kidding me? He said, I'll send somebody right over. He did. It was Sunday night, about nine o'clock at night. Got a knock on the door. The plumber came in, and in five minutes, he had unclogged my toilet. I had no gurgle sound anymore. So I sent Joseph the following text. I took a screenshot of it. Here's what I wrote. I said, thank you, Joseph. He's done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want you to see what Joseph wrote back. He said, no problem. You do what you're good at, and we'll do what we're good at. Call me anytime. Now, what a great friend, wouldn't you say? What a great friend. Here's the bottom line. I didn't want to ask for help. 
I didn't want to call my wife looking for help. I certainly didn't want to bother Joseph on a sunny night and ask him for his help. There's something wired within me, and maybe in with you, but you get yourself in a mess, then you figure a way to get yourself out of the mess, right? It's pride. It's arrogance. It's stubbornness that stops us from saying, hey, you know what? I could use a little help around here. So I gotta ask you a question. Do you have a problem asking for help? Because I think most of us do, if you're like me. Let me ask you this. How long does your marriage have to spiral out of control before you finally come to your senses and you ask for some help? I mean, how deep a debt do you have to get into before you realize that you need some help? How many more people do you have to disappoint and have to hurt over your addiction until you finally ask for some help. My goodness, some of you have been coming to this church for a long, long time and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, to lead your life, because you don't need his help. You are still under the illusion that your goodness somehow is gonna get you to heaven. And I've told you and I've told you, your goodness isn't good enough. If your goodness was good enough, then why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus come and live a perfect, sinless life? Why did all the sins of mankind be placed upon Jesus on the cross? Why is it that he had to conquer death and the grave if you could be good enough to go to heaven? But the problem for so many people is they won't humble themselves. They won't ask for any help. Let me ask you a question. You given your best? Are you given your very best to your marriage? And if you're not, what are you giving your very best to? For a lot of us, it's your jobs. You give your best at your job. You show up, you engage in conversation, you problem solve, you work towards a solution, you'll even stay late if you have to. You doing the same thing with your marriage? You showing up, you problem solving, you coming to resolution, you getting closer, getting the goal done? Let me ask you this, what's the goal for your marriage? If I stopped you after service and I said, hey man, what's the goal here for your marriage? Would you have one? What are you shooting for? What are you aiming at? Most people don't have any goal at all. They just live their life one day after the other with no thought to where they're gonna have their destination end up to be. Now, if I go to your job and I say, hey, what's the goal around here? You tell me what the goal is. We have quarterly goals. We're shooting for this. This is where we're at right now. This is where we project ourselves to be. And this is our yearly goal right here. Why don't we have goals in our marriage? Christy and I have a goal in our marriage. Our, our dream goal is this, that we'd be 85 years old, walking around the park, taking hits off each other's oxygen tanks, <laughs> holding hands, getting in the car, waiting for teenagers to pull in next to us and start making out with tongue. That's what our goal is right there. I probably went too far and I don't care. That's what I wanna do. That's the goal. So I have a goal. How am I gonna get there? I'm gonna love her every day the way she needs to be loved. I'm gonna treat her as the princess that she is, as a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I'm gonna give her my best every single day. And if I do that day after day after day after day after day and God gives us health, I'm making out with her when I'm 85 in front of a bunch of teenagers. That's the goal, that's the dream, that's what's gonna happen. I remember uh, years ago when we were doing a series on marriage and I told you to go home and to write down the five needs that you have 
and that your spouse would write down their five needs, and then I wanted you to exchange those five needs. You remember that? Some of you weren't here. But this is a great little assignment. See, I think you really want to meet the needs of your spouse, but you don't have a clue what they are. And the needs of a man are completely different than the needs of a woman. And so the woman sitting down, writing down her top five needs and explain to him what she needs can be very valuable to the man because I'm just going to tell you right now about men, we're clueless. We don't have a clue about what it is. And so I gave an assignment. I said, go home, ladies, and write down your five needs. Gentlemen, you go home, write down your five needs, and you exchange those pieces of paper. Then every day I want you to wake up and say, what's one of these needs that I'm going to meet today? And so that's what I, I give you a homework assignment. I don't give you something to do that I don't do myself. So my wife and I, we went home and we wrote down our top five needs. And then we had a little ceremony. We exchanged the needs and we placed those things in places where we see them all the time. So we, we put them in our Bible. We put them on the mirror. We put them in the car to be reminded of the needs because you're just not going to do this naturally. We're selfish people naturally. So you got to be selfless. So you got to put that stuff in front of you. What gets your attention gets you. And so we exchanged those five needs. Now, here are the five needs that my wife gave to me. So we sat down, and I said, okay, what's, what's your number one need? And she said, affection. And I said, okay, I, I can do that, because in my mind, affection is sex. <laughs> That's every guy right now. They're like, what? It's not? I said, well, I can do that one. She said, no, you don't understand. I want you to hold my hand. I want you to put your arm around me. I want you to hold me. I want you to cuddle with me. And I said, does that lead to something, something? <laughs> she said, no, sometimes I just want you to do that just to do that. I said, really? <laughs> uh, I'll try. I said, what's the next one? She said, communication. I said, so you want me to talk to you? She said, that would be nice. Okay, I, I can do that. What's the next one? She said, encouragement. So when I talk to you, you want me to say something nice to you? That's what you want? Okay, I, I, I can do that. Number four, safety. What does she mean by safety? She said, I, I need to know there's a roof over my head and that there's food in the cupboard, that I'm going to be safe, I'm going to be secure. I said, oh, I can take care of that. I said, what's the last one? She said, time. I said, you want me to spend time with you? She said, yes. I said, how much? <laughs> I didn't say that. I thought it, but I didn't say it. I just passed around. I didn't even think it. I said, yeah, I can do that too. So what do I do? Every morning I wake up and I say, okay, I'm going to meet one of these needs. I'm going to meet one of these needs for my. I'm going to love her the way God intended her to be loved. He's entrusted this responsibility to me. I want to be faithful in this moment. So she said, all right, those are my five needs. What are yours? And so I handed her the piece of paper. This is what I gave her. Amen. Now you wake up. That's what happened right there. And remember, you got to do one of these five things every single day. <laughs> every man's like, we're doing this homework. I'll tell you right now. We're going to get home. You're going to write your needs. I'm going to write mine. Now, that wasn't my real list. <laughs> Sex was on there. And it was number one. But there were other things there as well. What if you went home and did that? Wrote those things out? What if you exchanged them? 
What if you said, I don't wanna be a selfish jerk anymore. I don't wanna be stubborn. I don't wanna be full of myself. I wanna put you ahead of myself. And so I make a vow to you from this day forward that I'm gonna love you like you need to be loved. God's giving me that responsibility. I'm going to meet these needs one day after another day after another day. And maybe you'll be parked next to me making out with your bride when you're 85 years old too. Wouldn't that be a great goal? That you'd be so close and so intimate and so much more in love with each other than you've ever been before? Because there's power in our prayers, and we've all experienced it. Every one of us have prayed for something, and sometimes God instantaneously answers the prayer, and we're always blown away, like, that just happened. God just did that. We've all seen it. We've all witnessed it. Now, does this mean that we shouldn't seek medical attention when we find ourselves sick? Absolutely not. That's not what James is saying. He's saying they should be anointed with oil, and then spiritual people need to pray for their healing. Now, oil in the New Testament was the best medicinal purposes they had. That was the best medicine that they had. So you understand what James is saying? You get the best doctors, you get the best medicine that you can, and you get the best people, the most spiritual, the people who are closest to God praying for you. And somewhere between those two things, God will hear those prayers and God will intervene in that situation. Now, I need that right now desperately. I need your prayers. Let me tell you what's going on with me. Last Saturday night, I was washing dishes in the kitchen, which is a lesson to all the men that washing dishes is extremely dangerous and hazardous to your health, and only trained professionals should wash dishes. So you should step away from the sink. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So I'm washing the dishes, and all of a sudden, my left ear clogs up. Now, I've had a clogged ear before. It's not a big deal. So I yawned to try to unclog it. wouldn't unclog. So I blew my nose, and it wouldn't unclog. I took water, held my nose, wouldn't unclog. I did all the things on the Internet you're supposed to do to unclog your ear, and none of the things would work. And I thought, this is the craziest thing. So I thought, well, maybe there's some fluid backed up. I'll just get a heating pad. I'll go to bed, and I'll lay on the heating pad, and uh, my hearing will return in the morning. Well, the next morning, I woke up and couldn't hear very much out of that ear. So I called a friend of mine who is my primary care doctor, and he said, let's get you in early Monday morning. So I went in, and I got my ear looked at, and he said, well, I don't know, but we'll put you on a steroid, and we'll get you with an ENT and have them check you out and see what's going on. In the meantime, I want you to go to this audiologist, and I want you to get your hearing checked. So that afternoon, I went to an audiologist, I did all the hearing tests, and I found out that I had lost 45% of my hearing in this ear. Well, the next morning, when I woke up on Tuesday morning, I'd lost it all. I'm completely deaf in my left ear. And of course, the fear that hit me immediately is, is this going to go over to my right ear as well? And so I started getting vertigo and dizzy. And oh my goodness, I've thrown up so many times this week, I'm so sick of throwing up. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed that I would have the strength and the ability to come and give this message because this message means so much to me, and I think it will mean a lot to you about prayer, and, and God's given me the strength, but I still can't hear a, a doggone thing. Now listen, I know that what I'm facing right now pales in comparison to what many of you are facing right now. My, my goodness, your, your issue isn't hearing loss in one ear. 
Your issue is much greater. Your issue is more life and death. Everything in your world is falling down around you. And so I want you to know that I pray for you, and I want you to pray for me. That's why we need the church, to lift each other up, to cast our cares upon each other so we can go to the Father together and intercede on behalf of each other. Now, now here's what's interesting. Wouldn't this be wonderful if this was the secret formula to being healed every time? I mean, you get the best medical people involved, and then you get the best people praying for you, and then all of a sudden, everything just turns out perfect. But, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way, does it? You see, I'm very much prepared for God to say no. I mean, if I don't get my hearing back, blessed be his name. If, if the only thing that he ever gave me was salvation, he's been better to me than I've ever deserved. And so whether he gives it back to me, blessed be his name. Doesn't give it back to me, blessed be his name. I will praise him, and I know that he is with me. I have learned so many things this past week about the presence of God and the power of God and about the power of prayer. I'm closer to God today than I was a week ago because of what I'm walking through right now. And isn't that the way it works? There are some storms in life that that's where you learn really the life lessons, isn't it? That's where you learn the tough stuff. And then you find out if your faith is strong enough to persevere. If you have that defiant faith that says, naked I came in this world and naked I'll leave it, blessed be the name of the Lord no matter what. No matter what. I understand that there's a difference between being cured and being healed. Do you understand the difference? There was a woman in the foyer, and she went to one of our pastors, and she was sharing with them with her husband. Her husband was ate up with cancer. And she asked for prayer, and so the pastor laid hands upon the person. And uh, three days later, he didn't think anything more about it, so he got a phone call in his office. And the woman called, and she said, Pastor, you prayed for me and my husband. He had cancer. Do you remember that? And the pastor was excited because he thought this is a great update. He probably was healed. She said he died. He said, I'm so sorry. She said, Pastor, when I brought him to church this past Sunday, he was so ate up with anger and bitterness. He was 58 years old. 58 years old. He wanted to see his grandkids grow up. He wanted to watch his kids flourish. And he felt robbed. He felt cheated from God. So he was angry and he was bitter towards God. And he was miserable to be around. But then you prayed for him. And a peace came over him. In these last three days, they've been like heaven on earth. We've read scripture together. We've prayed together. We've worshiped God together. And then she said this, God didn't cure him, but God healed him. Our bodies are breaking down. And in an instant, you can lose something that was so precious to you. We're getting a new body, a body that's going to be painless and powerful. I mean, do you want to keep your old body? Look at you. Look in the mirror. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you want to keep that old thing? You don't want to keep that old thing. No, you do not want to keep that. You want that new body, and one day he will bless you with that. You will be healed. You're going to a place where there is no more sickness. There is no more suffering. There is no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. For behold, our God has made everything new again. 
Talk to you about the power of words. I like to help husbands out. Husbands, listen to me. I like to help a brother out from time to time. I look at you and I think, yeah, they need help. That's what I think all the time. When I, he's clueless. He doesn't have a clue what he's doing, right? You ever come home and your wife's in a bad mood? I know it doesn't happen very often. I know that. I know that's it's a rare thing. It's right. It's a rare thing for that to happen. Do you come in there and she's upset about this or upset about that? Do you know you've got power in your words to change her whole attitude? 
I mean, if you would just say three words, just three words that she longs to hear from you, it would change everything about the trajectory of her evening. And gentlemen, you know the three words I'm talking about. Let's just say them together. Let's eat out. That's what she's looking for. That, come on. Ladies, am I telling the truth right now? Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. That was weak, ladies. I'm telling you right now. It's like courtesy applause. Yes, that would be nice. It's not going to happen. You had an opportunity there to go crazy and you missed it, you know. Every guy's thinking, I think she wants to hear I love you. No, she doesn't. She wants let's eat out. That's what she wants. I'll give you another three-word phrase that she would love to hear from time to time. You ready for this, guys? I am sorry. How many ladies would like to hear that from time to time? Yeah, a little more thunderous on that one. It's like some of you are like, just what I want to hear right now from you. It can change the whole course of their life. Change the whole attitude of where, of where they're at. So our words direct our lives, right? And it also our words direct the lives of other people. Now, we've already seen the abusive words of a dad to a son. So let's look at it now from a more positive position. I was reading this book by Mike Howerton. He talked about when he was a student pastor, he had this young lady that was a part of a student ministry. Her name was Misty, and she spelled it with a J. It's kind of an odd way to spell the name Misty. This was not the kind of kid that you thought would be a part of the student ministry. When you saw her, she looked different from the other kids. She was, had tattoos all over her. She had piercings. Her hair was crazy. If you got to know Misty a little bit, you'd know she came from a very abusive family. Things at home were, were not good at all. But this kid was consistent. I mean, every single week this kid would show up. Never missed a single service. Got into a small group. Even went on a mission trip to Mexico. I mean, for one straight year, this kid was always there. And then she just kind of fell off the map. She disappeared. Well, the student pastors tried to reach out to her, tried to call her, tried to text her, but she just kind of ghosted them. So one day, Mike felt like God was telling him to write a little postcard. So he sat down and wrote a postcard. He said, I'm not even certain I spelled her name right. I think I put the J in the wrong place. But he put it in the mailbox, not thinking anything about it. Four years goes by. Mike's now serving in another church down the street. He's a college pastor at that particular church. And guess who walks in right before one of his services? But it's Misty. And she has such a joy about her. She has such a peace about her. She has this relationship with Jesus that's just, just contagious. And Mike goes over to her because, of course, he recognizes her and she recognizes him. And she's, he's like, well, I, I, I got to catch up with you. After service, make sure you stop. Let's talk for a little bit. So as soon as the service was over, Misty came up, she began to have a conversation with Mike, and Mike asked the question that everybody had on their mind, what happened to you? She said, well, to be honest with you, I, I moved away. I, I moved in with my dad because my home life was so abusive, I thought that would be better, but it turns out that my dad was worse shaped than my mom was. And so I, I ended up in this very verbally abusive relationship with my dad, and that caused me to kind of spiral. I started doing hard drugs, hard getting drunk all the time. I got involved in this abusive relationship with this uh, guy, and I got pregnant, and I got an abortion. She said, but I started coming to this church, and I started hearing about Jesus and the things that you were talking about. I, 
All those things, those were seeds that you planted in my soul. And I, I just thought maybe Jesus was the answer, that maybe somehow Jesus could help me along the way. And, and, and I, now I have a relationship with him. And the old is gone and the new has come. I'm, I'm a new person because of Jesus. And of course, Mike is so excited for her. This is fantastic. This is great. And then she reached into her pocket and she pulled out a crumpled piece of paper. It was the postcard that he had sent four years earlier. She said, do you remember sending this to me? He said, yes, I do. She said, you spelled my name wrong. (laughs) He said, I thought I did. She said, do you remember what you wrote? He said, no. She handed him the card and he read these words. I prayed for you today. Jesus loves you like crazy, Misty. And I think you're pretty cool too. Hope you're well. Come back soon. Because you're missed. Mike. She said, I tacked this on the wall next to my bed. When my life was spiraling out of control and all I could see was darkness. And all I felt was guilt and shame for what I had become. I'd look at that postcard. And it would remind me that somebody was praying for me. It would remind me that somebody missed me. Mike, that postcard was my lifeline back to Jesus. Just words. Just words on a piece of paper. Took him 20 seconds to write, but it changed the whole trajectory of that girl's life. You know... Most people don't die quickly. I've told you that before. Most people die slowly. You'll get diagnosed with something. You'll fight it. The medication won't work. Hospice will be called in. And you'll lay on what we call your deathbed. Could be days. Could be a few weeks. And you'll have time to think about your life. I don't want you to get to that spot and have regrets. I don't want you to think back about risks you should have taken. Ways you could have advanced the kingdom of God. Prayers that you should have prayed. I don't want you to look back on your life and say, I always wanted a double portion of the Lord, but I just couldn't endure to get there. Friends, if you're not dead today, God's not done with you. And you can start over with a new perspective today about wanting something greater for yourself. Truly feeling, oh my goodness, feeling fulfillment. Now, why am I preaching this so passionately? It's because I want it so bad. And the fire inside of me that once burned so strong, it's not what it once was. So this week, I prayed for myself too. Give me a double portion. Don't let me settle for anything less. And I know I'm not alone. I know that there are many of us that say, I want that same thing. Well, I need to to explain something to you. As soon as you decide it, there's going to be a battle for it. And the battle is going to be in your brain. 
The battle is going to be when your mind tells you that you can't do it, that this isn't worth your endeavor, that it's too hard, that it's too difficult. And you're going to have to push through. You're, you're going to have to make a decision between who you're going to listen to. You're going to listen to what you say or you're going to listen to what God says. Because we defeat ourselves even before we begin when we listen to the voices in our head that are just flat out lying to us. Voices like, I'm always worried. I'm always frustrated. I'm always anxious. I'll never be able to step out in faith. I'll never be able to take a risk. God says, cast all your cares on me. God knows what scaredy cats we are. God knows how much we are filled with worry and anxiety and frustration. That's why he says, you talk to me about it and I'll give you strength like you've never had before. You cast all your cares on me because I care so much for you. Your life matters to me and what you do with your life matters to me. But yet we keep telling ourselves the craziest things, don't we? We say, I can't do it. We say this before we even try. And have we forgotten what God's word says? That you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength? We tell ourselves things like this. I can't figure it out. Duh. I know you can't figure it out. I can't figure it out either. That's why we have Jesus, right? If we could figure out ourselves, what do we need him for? But God says this, I will direct your steps. I will lead you. I will guide you into the life that you're supposed to live. How about this one? I'm too tired. Well, that's everybody. Get over it. God says, I'll give you rest. I'll give you a peace that passes all understanding. I'll give you fulfillment. I'll give you purpose. I'll give you a reason to get out of bed for something greater than yourself. You'll make an impact. You'll make a difference with the one shot at life he's given you. How about this one? You say, nobody loves me. I feel all alone. God's always in your corner, friends. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he loved you so much he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross who rose again from the dead to have a relationship with you so you would never, ever be alone ever again. He will never turn his back on you. So what are you, you going to listen to? The lies? Because there'll be a bunch of them that tell you you're less than, that you'll never measure up, that you'll never be able to accomplish this, that God could never use you like he's used people in the past. Listen to me. The same Holy Spirit that lived in the heroes of old is the same Holy Spirit that lives in us today. And he can and he will do exceedingly abundantly more than anything you've ever dreamed or imagined. And his dream for your life is far greater than anything you've dreamed for yourself. And his hopes for your life is far greater than anything you've ever hoped for yourself. So what are you gonna do? I want a double portion.